So if you're new to New Life, we have been in a series. It's four weeks long, and this is the fourth week. So I'm going to catch you up, or if you've just missed a few weeks. This, the series is called The Spiritual Growth Continuum. And what we've been talking about is how people are at one of four places along this continuum of spiritual growth. And actually, we mentioned that there is actually a place before the continuum starts. That's if you don't care about God at all, you don't believe that he exists, that's before the first stage, which is explorer. An explorer is someone who believes there's a God, but just isn't really sure about Jesus yet. And then there are believers, and believers believe that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, that he's the Son of God, and have come to trust him as Savior and Lord. Disciples, the next stage, is a, a stage where people now have not only believed that Jesus is Savior and Lord, but start to live out the disciplines of disciples to start to look more like Jesus. And then finally, we have the Spirit-led follower of Jesus, which I'm going to tell you more about today. So, um, during these three weeks, our goal, and, and now the fourth, has been to help us determine three important things. Number one... First of all, to determine where we are in a spiritual growth continuum. After all, we can't know how we're going to grow if we don't know where we are. The second thing we've done is consider how to move to the next step on the continuum. Wherever we are, to take one more step, one more step, one more step. And then third, to learn how to help one another take the next step from where we are right now. Because, as I said at the outset, the Christian life is a team sport. It's not an individual activity. So if we've learned anything about God during these first three weeks, it's that he loves us more than we will ever know and that he pursues us relentlessly. Back in 2019, when we did this series the last time, Pastor Brad French, some of you will remember Pastor Brad French, he said this about explorers. Explorers are not far from God because God is not far from explorers. If you have ever read the 23rd Psalm or heard it read, you know that the ending of it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, actually, that verse could say, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is sort of like, uh, ladies, if you remember back when you were in middle school, and that kid just kept calling you and calling you and calling you and wanted you to go to the dance, you know. And, and you didn't really want to go to the dance with him, but he just wouldn't quit calling, so you finally said yes. That's how God feels about us. He's not going to quit calling. He's just going to keep pursuing us until we eventually say yes. In week two, Pastor Alex told us that we become believers when we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. And as we move from explorer to believer, we're going to continue our slow, steady growth as we do something important. We read our Bible. We listen to our Bible. We engage in the Bible on a day-to-day -day basis. And one of the most important truths for us who believe is to understand this. God believes in us. I don't know if you know how important that is. The God of the universe who created everything, he believes in us. In fact, I said at the last service, I said, you know, God, if he has a refrigerator, he has your picture on it. It's got to be a big refrigerator. And somebody came out of worship after the first service and said, you know, do you remember Romper Room? <laughs> Anybody remember Romper Room? Like Miss Patty said, I see Kendra and I see Brian. Well, God has got that little you know, mirror and he sees you um, because that's how God is. Anyway, so then once we are believers, we become disciples when we start to join God in his work. We start to join him in his work. We start to realize he is the model for our lives and we start to imitate him in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. Now we come to the final stage 
in the spiritual growth continuum. Spirit-led. To be spirit-led, as we often say here at New Life, is simple, but it's not easy. In fact, it's, it's simple to understand, and it's summed up well in today's take-home point. Here it is. To be spirit-led, we must be willing to be led by the Spirit. I know, you come here for the deep spiritual insights, right? Um, anyway, well, well, but what does that mean? What does it mean to be spirit-led? Well, according to the book Move, it means this. The people in this segment would identify their relationship with Jesus as the most important relationship in their entire lives. They see their lives as fully surrendered to Jesus and his agenda, subordinating everything to his will and his desires. So when we're spirit-led, Jesus is in control. As a result, spirit-led followers of Jesus have some distinct markers in our lives. Uh, we live as Jesus' workforce. In fact, spirit-led people do everything, serve the church, care for the poor, tithe, and evangelize. And they demonstrate all of these spiritual behaviors, not just one or two of them, in greater proportion than any other segment. That makes sense. If you've come to the point in the spiritual growth continuum where you're at this end of the spectrum, I would hope that we would be ones who are doing the things that Jesus created us to do more than explorers, believers, or even disciples. And, uh, you know, we've unlocked the secret of the normal Christian life. And in one word, it's this, surrender or submission. And the seek, this is not a new model. In fact, it's Jesus' model. He did it before us and he showed us how to do it and he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. So if you have your Bible, your Bible app and you'd like to follow along, we're gonna be in Philippians chapter two, verses one to 11. Before we get there, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much that you are the God of the universe, that you created everything that exists, and yet you love each of us as if there were only one of us. Right now, God, as we turn to your word, we pray that you will open our spirits, our souls, even our bodies, that we might receive your truth and that we might apply it in the power of your Holy Spirit, because we know when we do that, we change and ultimately the world changes. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Paul wrote, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And if you look on the screen or in your, in your Bible, it has a question mark, but it's not really a question mark in the Greek. What Paul is really saying, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yes. Is there any comfort from his love? Of course. Any fellowship together in the spirit? You know there is. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Yes, they are. And then he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that in the name at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what we see in Jesus' life is surrender, submission. Submission means to voluntarily um, put ourselves under the authority of another. And Jesus, though he was equal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, he submitted his life 
to them, and ultimately, he became a servant. He submitted completely. He left heaven, the comfort of heaven, the community of heaven that he had with his Father and with the Spirit, and he came here as a baby, as a human baby, and he grew up and he lived a perfect life like nobody else had ever lived, and then he willingly sacrificed that life on a Roman executioner's cross for our salvation. The book Move helps us once again when we come to wanting to do what he did because that's all Jesus asked of us. He gave up everything, so he asked us to do the same. It says, spirit-led believers emerge from a battle between two sets of values, the secular values that define personal identity, happiness, security, and success for much of the world, and the spiritual values of selfless love and dedication to others that characterize a life centered in Jesus. So, if we want to summarize, we'd say it this way. To be spirit-led, all we have to do is surrender completely to Jesus, view our relationship with him as the most important relationship in our lives, and lay down our own personal identity, happiness, security, and success. Wow, I'm good with all that, right up to the point where it says surrender. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you, if you paid attention, that's the very first thing it says. Um, uh, those of you who've been around New Life for a while or who have ever read my book, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to a be uh, the Beach, know that when I was five years old, my mother sent me to bed without dinner because I did something wrong. But most of us probably wouldn't like that, but most of us wouldn't do what I did. I was not willing to submit or surrender to my mother. I went to my dad's bedroom closet, I got out his shotgun, I loaded it, and I pointed it at the floor where I thought my mother was, and I pulled the trigger. Talk about not wanting to submit or surrender, right? Well, that didn't go away when I was six or seven or 17. When I was 17, God called me clearly to serve him as pastor, and I said simply, no stinking way. I am not going to serve as a pastor. Who would want to do that? Why would you want to spend your life as a pastor? And... I fought that call for five years before finally submitting and saying yes. Philippians 2.10 read that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. How cool is it that even the demons are going to bow down to Jesus, right? That's the beings under the earth. But me, not so much. I didn't stop resisting God's command when I was 22 and said yes to becoming a pastor I guess that means I wasn't, I thought I was as spirit-led at that point, but I, I guess what happened is maybe I was in some ways spirit-led, but in other ways I was a disciple. Some ways I was back to not even really living as if Jesus was Lord, so maybe I was still an explorer in some areas. I think that this is a little more fluid than maybe I would hope that it would be. But I did go to seminary, I became a pastor, but here's the thing, returning back to the book move just one more time, uh, when referring to the spirit-led, here's what we read. It says, they know their weaknesses. They acknowledge their dependence on Jesus. They humbly confess, my name is Chris and I am a fallen creature. No denials, no attempts to shift blame, no ongoing guilt. They have come to honestly recognize that left to themselves, the lore of the world is irresistible. They can only escape its pull through the power of the gospel of Jesus. What hard lessons those are to learn. Submitting, surrendering, it only comes once we realize there is a God and, and we're not he. Submitting, surrendering only comes when we acknowledge our weaknesses and our dependence on Jesus. We live in a culture that emphasizes rugged individualism at the one extreme and what at the other end? Community, right? And both of those things are good in their place. But here's the reality. Neither rugged individualism nor community is what it takes to become a spirit-led follower of Jesus. What has to happen is we 
call Jesus Christ Lord, which means master, means owner, means God. You know, we forget that apart from the new birth that Jesus lived, died, rose again, returned to heaven and gave the Holy Spirit to give us, we will never live the surrendered lives of the Spirit-led. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, so you're here and you want to become Spirit-led, or maybe you're already in that Spirit-led stage and you just want to be more faithful, here are the top five things that you want from other believers and from the church. We've talked about the top five things with each of these groups, and here they are. Number one is help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. Number two is help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. Number three is church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. Number four is challenge to grow and take next steps. And number five is encouragement to take personal responsibility for spiritual growth. Before we talk about those five things, I want to mention something that's missing from that list. It was at the top of the list as for explorers and at the top of the list for believers, and it was compelling worship services. It's not that worship is no longer important to those who are spirit-led, because spirit-led followers attend worship in greater numbers than anybody else. It's just that it doesn't rank as high before. This time on Saturday night or Sunday morning doesn't drive a spirit-led follower's relationship with Jesus. It fosters it and encourages it. So let's look at the ones that are on the list. Help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. It is number one, because as we know, the Bible is not just a textbook. The Bible is a living text. And as spirit-led followers of Jesus, we need to have a love for the Bible. If you're like me, and reading the Bible has been a struggle at times, I want to point you to something, and most of you have one of these, a smartphone, all right? And if you open up your smartphone, and you go to what's my number one app, the Version Bible app, and you open it up right now, you could go to more, and you could click on events, and it shows New Life Christian Ministries is live right now. And if you click on that one, it will give you the scripture reading from today's text and the outline, those paper outlines that you all, some of you use, it's right there. You know why that's important? Because I know a statistic that makes a preacher cry every Monday afternoon. And that is that by tomorrow, if you thought this was a good message, you'll remember 12% of it. If you thought it wasn't such a good message, not so much, you know what I'm saying? So by tomorrow afternoon, if you want to say, what was that point? You can look right here and it'll be there. So repetition is the mother of learning. The other thing, way more important for me on a daily basis, is it has a Bible plans. And you can see I have three Bible plans. The main one that I use is called the Bible in One Year Classic Version with Nikki Gumbel. And what I do is I listen to Nikki Gumbel, who's English, and that's a really cool voice, and I listen to him tell me about the scriptures of the day, and then I listen to the ESV. I don't listen to the NLT, which is what we use here at New Life. It's not because I don't think the NLT is any good. I just think the guy who speaks the NLT has a really bad voice, and I like the EST voice better. Uh, I want to be able to focus, and I can't focus with the NLT. So if you're asking, isn't it cheating to listen to the Bible instead of like actually read it? Well, ask anybody who lived before the 1300s when the printing press was invented. That's how they got the Bible into their heads and their hearts, was by listening. And actually, I want to tell you something Jesus said. He said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, those who hear these words of mine, hear these words of mine and put them into practice, those are the ones who are going to be blessed. It doesn't matter whether we read it or hear it. What is the blessing? The blessing is when we do it, when we live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So the second thing we want is help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. We've already mentioned that for spirit-led followers of Jesus, that relationship with Jesus is more important than any other relationship. So help in developing that relationship is quite high for the spirit-led person. The best way to do that is to invest time with Jesus every day. Every morning when I pray, you don't have to do this, but I'm just telling you, this is what I do every morning when I pray. First thing I do after I just praise God for another day, for being alive for another day, is I submit my life, I surrender my life to Father, Lord, Father, God, Father God, to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. I tell Jesus I love him and I submit myself to him as my king because he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And I commit to obeying him and to listening for guidance throughout the day. I do that, all that, while I'm swimming. Five days a week, I pray swim. I used to prayer walk, but then the hips came. I couldn't even stand up for worship today. But four weeks from today, well, actually, seven weeks from today, I'll be feeling better. Four weeks from today, I'm having surgery on the left hip. Seven weeks from today, I'll be feeling better. So the point is, I might be able to prayer walk again. But here's the real point. There are a lot of people who hear prayer and what they think of is, oh, I remember Jesus said you have to go into a closet and you have to be by yourself. You probably have to get down on your knees. Well, no, Jesus did say that we shouldn't make prayer a show. But what Jesus was talking about is we just need to be with God. We need to be there every single day. So whether you do that in your car or whether you do that in the swimming pool or whether you do that out in, you know, rails and trails or whether you do that in your closet, wherever you do it, everything that we do starts with this relationship with God. So as Pastor Alex reminded us last week, Paul the Apostle said, pray without ceasing. Pray at work, pray at school, pray wherever. And, and that's an entire message in itself. But the best way to deepen our relationship with anyone is to invest time with them and then to communicate with them, listening and talking. So the next thing you need, next thing I need as a spirit-led follower of Jesus is church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to sp uh, grow spiritually. And then fourth is to challenge, to grow and take next steps. I want to tell you something. As a lead pastor of New Life, I have always, and as the next lead pastor of New Life, Pastor Alex will always challenge, first of all, the staff to continue to grow spiritually, to continue to take next steps. Because what we know is, unless we're engaged in that process, we will not be the men and women of God, the husbands and wives, the moms and dads that we were created to be. If you come here on the weekends, I will guarantee you that we will model spiritual growth in our own lives and we will challenge you to grow and take next steps. And while that's all important, I believe that the next one, number five on the list, is crucial. It's encouragement to take personal responsibility for spiritual growth. Sometimes I have heard people say, I wish the messages here at New Life were deeper. You know who has never said that? An explorer. An explorer has never come up to me and said, why don't you ever preach a sermon on superlapsarianism? <laughs> never. You know who never says, I wish the messages were deeper? A believer. Believers are just getting started. What they say is, can you tell me how to get to know Jesus better? That's what they want to know. Believers want to know, how can I imitate Jesus more? Here on the weekend, we are committed to communicating the truth in love to explorers, believers, disciples, and spirit-led followers of Jesus. That means sometimes we say things that an explorer or a believer has never heard before, and if you're spirit-led, you've heard it a hundred times. That's okay. We want to make sure that 
Everybody here understands what I'm saying. In fact, that's why I preach at a ninth grade level. I also have a doctorate, and I wrote my doctorate, at least portions of it, at the 20th grade level. That is a thing. But I preach at the ninth grade level. You know why? Because a long time ago, I heard a preacher say this. The Bible is offensive. Do you realize the gospel is offensive? <laughs> they crucified Jesus for preaching the gospel. So it calls us to live radically different lives. My goal as a preacher, this guy said, is to help my listeners know when they've been offended and what they can do to get beyond it to a whole new life. And that's my goal too. When you get to the spirit-led stage on the continuum, it's time for you to take personal responsibility for your spiritual growth. Remember, it's a relationship. Nancy and I have been married for more than 44 years now. And imagine if during those 44 years, I had only spoken to Nancy five to 10 minutes a day. Where would our relationship be? You know, just yesterday morning, we sat at breakfast just with each other for 45 minutes. We talked about what's been going on during the, the week. We talked about what's coming up this weekend. We just talked about life. And, and then this morning, she and I rode to worship together. So we had 15 minutes. I'm not trying to brag about our relationship. I'm just saying our relationship is really a lot better because we've invested a lot of time into it. And it's the same way with our relationship with Jesus Christ. And in fact, for the spirit-led, there's a shift in desire and ultimately a shift in personal disciplines. And this is one of the primary distinctions between spirit-led follower and disciple. It says not only do spirit-led followers want to understand the Bible, but they're committed to reading it every day and reflecting on how it applies to their lives. They seek solitude and build a relationship with Jesus by spending time in prayer every day where they freely confess sins, seek guidance, and submit their lives to the Lord. You see, prayer and Bible reading, listening, those things are the foundation out of which will flow such things as service, stewardship, evangelism, tithing, serving those in need, and giving away our lives, just to name a few. Isn't that awesome? Profound life change flowing from our lives as a direct result of time invested with God. If you're a spirit-led follower of Jesus and you're coming to the weekend worship service and you're saying, I'm not being fed, Please hear what I'm about to say. I'm not here to feed you. If you're a spirit-led follower of Jesus, by definition, you're led by the Spirit. I'm not here to feed you. You're mature enough to feed yourself. When you were three months old, your mother fed you. When you were three years old, just try getting a three-year-old to say, here, let me feed you. No, I do it myself. Right? Well, if you're three-year-olds or more spiritually, you ought to be doing it yourself. We who are spirit-led are here to help the explorers, the believers, and disciples to grow and mature. We are called to feed ourselves on God's Word and in small groups and in others who are spirit-led. And to sometimes just go away, as I did last week, for a week of time. And I don't really like this very much because you might guess I'm a little bit of an extrovert. I spent seven hours a week ago Wednesday just with God. And I'm not going to tell you it's my favorite seven hours of the last month. But I need to do that so that I can develop my relationship with him. So that's not to suggest that spirit-led people are perfect. No, far from it. In fact, we all have our kryptonite. They're, they're not the same for everybody. But there are two things that even spirit-led followers of Jesus, we talk a lot about it, but we don't always do it. Here at New Life, we talk a lot about, you know, investing, giving, time, talent, treasure, and touch to the Lord. And we talk a lot about... Um, the need that we have for serving. And in fact, if I said to anybody in this room, 
Do you think it's a good idea to tithe? Do you think it's a good idea to do second mile giving? Do you think it's a good idea to serve other people? Every single one of us would say, and all the spirit-led people would go, amen. Well, probably not in this church, but in some churches, they would say, amen, right? And we even agree we ought to do all those things, but statistics show that our actions don't match our words. We could sum up the actions of a lot of spirit-led people by saying this, we believe tithing and serving are great. You give and you go and I'll pray for you. Thankfully, we have a God who is patient, loving, and cheering us on. When Pastor Barry presented this same message back in 2019, he said something worth repeating. It's long, but I want you to hear it. Pastor Barry said, I was driving to work the other day chatting with God. You ever do this? We were having some great conversation, but I kept getting distracted by, well, everything. I stopped and repented. I felt guilty. I mumbled something like, God, I'm sorry. I just keep screwing this whole thing up. And God, he's so good, he placed these words in my mind. Are you kidding me? This is great. You're working at this. You're trying. You're killing it. I love you. I care for you. I'm cheering for you. Go, go, go. You got this. I'm proud of you. At that moment, I felt like I could take on the world. The God of heaven was cheering for me. Yeah, he was. And he's cheering for all of us as well. Because when we surrender, when we just crack the door, he rushes in. He gathers us in his arms and he doesn't let go. The freedom, the joy, the peace. We think, why in the world didn't I do this before? Why am I holding on to all of this? What's the point? Here, Dad, have it. Use me as you would. Being with you is much better than struggling through this on my own. Our entire mindset shifts from I have to, to I get to. I get to do these things, I get to pray, I get to read the Bible, I get to walk with God in the cool of the day, I get to enjoy his company, I get to serve others in Jesus' name, and in so doing, God sets us free. This brings us to our next step for the week. If you're new, the next step is the action point, the so what, what are we gonna do about this? And here it is, I will allow the Holy Spirit to lead my life this week. If we've learned anything in this four-week series, what we've learned is God loves us. He is never far from us. We come to know him through his word, and he calls us to partner with him in his work. We respond by ultimately bending our knees, surrendering to him, submitting to him everything. Only then can he claim our hearts, our minds, our calendars, our wallets, our entire being for his purpose. And when he has it all, that's when everything changes. You know, in the history of Christianity from 2,000 years ago till now, Every time there has been a major move of God, you know what has happened? Spirit-led people let the Spirit lead them. <laughs> Spirit-led people let the Spirit of God move them to action. I just read something this morning. This was a really powerful thing. I never heard this before. But in the early church, during, in 200 AD, there was a plague. And they used to call the Christians gamblers. You know why they called them gamblers? because they didn't leave. Everybody left the towns because that's where everybody was dying. The gamblers gambled on staying there and helping other people and burying the dead. And, and you know why they did that? Because they didn't really care if they died because they knew they were going to heaven, but they knew these people needed help. And guess what happened out of that? This great resurgence and growth of the church because everybody said, I want to be like that. I want to be unafraid of living or dying. Because I know that the God of the universe is with me and is leading me. 
I think that's a little tidbit that even you spirit-led people might not have known before. I didn't know it till today. So let us put God first and see the world change. Amen? Well, that's the series. We're done. But here's the thing. At New Life, I believe and we believe that there's always an explorer in the room. There's always somebody here every week who has said, I believe there's a God, but I don't know for sure if Jesus is God. I don't know for sure if Jesus is Savior and Lord. And so every week at this time in this service, one of us who's up here, who's up here speaking will say, you know, following Jesus is simple. It's not easy, but coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, going from explorer to believer is as simple as A, B, C. A means admit. I admit as an explorer that I have been God in my life. We might not say it that way most days, but if somebody else isn't God, then you are. So I've been God in my life. And B, I believe there's a better God. His name's Jesus. And he is Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means master, owner, God. And right now, I'm stepping from here, giving ownership over to Jesus. And see, then we confess that to God the Father, and we say, God, you have me. Your son Jesus is Savior and Lord in my life right now. Please fill me up with your Holy Spirit, because I know if I'm ever going to become everything you created me to be, I'm going to have to follow you and be empowered by you. If you're an explorer and you're ready to become a believer, I would ask you to pray with me right now. I'm going to pray as if I'm you. The words are not what's important. The simple thing that's important is that you move from believing in God in general to God who has exhibited himself most clearly in Jesus Christ. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, first, thank you for creating everything that exists. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, God, that even though I'm a sinner, and I admit that. You have sent Jesus to die in my place, to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe that right now. And I ask you to forgive me and to give me the new life that comes from Jesus. He is my Savior and my Lord in this moment. And God, I confess to you that that is true, that Jesus from this day forward is in charge of my life. I submit my spirit, my soul, and my body to him. And I ask you to give me your spirit now and every single day that I can serve you faithfully and grow in you. And God, I pray for all of us who are here who have prayed a prayer like that at one point in our life, maybe days ago, weeks, months, decades. I pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit because we know by definition we cannot be spirit-led unless your spirit is leading us. So fill us to overflowing that we can love you faithfully and fully that we can read and understand your word and then that we can live out your life in us, in our homes, our workplaces, our schools, wherever we are. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.